If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And it's alive here on Joy 99.7 FM, and this is Newsnight. Well, there is a big question hanging over Ghana tonight after the president, President Akufuado, appealed to China to help Ghana restructure the debt it owes that uh, a country, nearly $2 billion. In fact, the uh, president uh, sent the appeal to China through the German finance minister who had been visiting uh, Ghana in the last few days. The big question tonight is, will China heed the president's appeal for them to help Ghana restructure the nearly $2 billion worth of debt without which Ghana will most certainly miss out on the IMF bailout. This uh, was the president uh, over the weekend uh, speaking on the issue when uh, he interacted uh, with the finance minister uh, of uh, of Germany. Uh, we'll bring that to you pretty shortly, but my colleague uh, uh, um, Kofi uh, joins us in the studio to, to chat this. We'll also hear from the German uh, finance minister uh, who also has been speaking about this. Uh, he was a bit more forthright on the issue, uh, indicating that China should join uh, in uh, in the attempt to restructure Ghana's, Ghana's debt. First, listen to the President Akufado. We've run out of excuses for the state of our continent. We have the manpower. We should have the political will. It is time to make Africa work. Ladies and gentlemen, as the saying goes, nothing succeeds like success. If we work at it, if we stop being beggars and spend Africa's money inside the continent, Africa would not need to ask for respect from anyone. We would get the respect we deserve. Well, uh, we'll bring you the fuller detail of that uh, particular uh, speech pretty shortly. The German Federal Minister of Finance, Christian uh, Lindner, uh, who says Germany is willing to support Ghana as it restructures its debt ahead of securing an IMF deal to tackle current economic crisis. Uh, we see uh, economic challenges uh, in Ghana, but uh, opportunities for bilateral trade. And uh, this is why uh, we are here. We've uh, met some uh, business uh, people and entrepreneurs uh, from Ghana. We met the uh, private banking sector. And as mentioned, we had a very constructive and uh, fruitful uh, exchange of views with my uh, colleague. And um, I'm so frank to um, call him friend. Uh, the finance minister of Ghana about the current situation um, and uh, in which way Germany can be uh, of help uh, to overcome the uh, current uh, situation. 
Well, uh, that's uh, the Germans there. Um, I, I want to bring in my colleague, uh, Research Desk uh, member, Kofi uh, Jay, who joins us in the studio right now uh, with details uh, more on this uh, particular issue. Um, the bigger story over the last few weeks in Ghana has been the domestic debt exchange, which is uh, still raging. We're expecting to hear from the finance minister pretty shortly. But there's a big one that we haven't touched yet, or we are attempting to now restructure, which is the uh, our, our external debt. Uh, China uh, a owns a significant part of the debt. The, over the weekend, the president was asking Germany to help us get China to the table to restructure. Um, in terms of the what we know about the China's debt, what's the portfolio? How much is it? This external debt portfolio is around $28.4 billion. This as of the third quarter of 2022. And the single country with the highest you know, component is China, with about $1.7 billion uh, that we are owing to China. Uh, Paris Club countries, about $1.9 billion. So if you compare how much we are owing to China to how much we are owing to the Paris Club countries, $1.9 for Paris Club countries and $1.7 billion for for just China alone, euro bonds is around 13.1 billion, and multilateral, you know, um, credit is around 8.1 billion. The total, just like I said, is 28.4 billion. So to restructure our debts, China's component is around 1.7 billion dollars. Mm, in other words, without China at the table, without China agreeing to restructure mm. its debt with us, uh, it, it's it's almost impossible it's to going to be difficult. Mm. Yeah. But the suggestion uh, is that China would need to uh, a, be part of this common framework, the G20 common framework that was set up uh, in the midst of COVID to help countries like, like Ghana. Well, what is this G20 common framework? So according to the IMF, uh, we are likely to see an economic collapse in some countries unless the G20 creditors agree to accelerate debt restructuring and suspend debt service while the restructurings are being negotiated. So G20 official, you know, um, creditors, both traditional Paris Club creditors such as France, Germany, and the United States, and new creditors, events such as China and, and you know, uh, India, have agreed to coordinate to provide debt relief consistent with the debtors' capacity to pay and maintain essential spending needs. But we also know that Chad, you know, Ethiopia and Zambia all signed up in early 2021, while Chad secured a deal with the creditors in November. We know Zambia is still locked in talks and Ethiopia's progress was held up by the civil war uh, over there. And now Ghana is currently joining um, to ask in the Paris Club and also China to come on board to make sure that the external debt restructuring is successful. One of the most important things we need to note is what we've learned um, when it comes to China and debt restructuring. The, 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 uh, we've talked a lot about the Zambia example. Mm. One of the reasons he delayed for most nearly two years their inability to access uh, the uh, IMF, you know, package exactly. and executive board approval. Although just like Ghana, they mm. also got the uh, the staff level agreement, but it took them nearly two years two to years. get the executive board yeah. approval. It's precisely because of China's hesitance on Absolutely. the matter. Yeah. Uh, China hesitated for a long time for to, to sit around the table and say we would, you know, agree to restructure our debt. That is an important factor. Very the lesson, yeah. you know, in this whole process yeah. of trying to get the executive board approval and whether China would, would do what it, it did to Zambia to Ghana. Yeah. Kofi, thank you very much. I want to bring in Lord Mensah uh, on, on this very important subject. And, but listen to the president uh, make the appeal.
Our target is that by the middle of March, we should be before the board for the full agreement. We have already taken one important step forward in concluding a staff level agreement yeah. with, with the IMF and we're now looking towards uh, going the full hog and concluding the agreement. And we're hoping that will be done by, by, the middle, uh, by the middle of March. One of the, the steps towards that has been the domestic debt exchange program that we are on, which, is, which fortunately, after quite a lot of difficulty, has now been virtually concluded. We now have the have the our uh, relations with the Paris Club, the, the common framework, and we are looking for uh, as quickly as possible a credit committee to be established, so we will have uh, uh, the body with whom we can engage to bring those discussions as well as quickly as possible. You have good relations with China. We'd like you to... Let me say that. <laughs> to encourage China to participate. Yeah, so that's uh, the president there making the point to the German finance minister that uh, you have a relationship with China. We would like you to help us get them to to join the creditor committee. Uh, I want to bring in Professor uh, Lord Mensa, uh, who joins us on the telephone line right now, senior lecturer, University of Ghana Business School. Uh, Prof, thanks for your time here on Newsline. Yeah, good evening. You just had the president's appeal there. How critical is it that China comes and, and joins, agrees to join a creditor committee to get uh, to get us on the road to restructure our external debt? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, debt restructuring, your wish would be that all your creditors come on board to have a common agreement and decide that these are the plans we can go together for Ghana to be comfortable and the credit that will also be comfortable. But the question as to how significant China is when it comes to the internal debt structure, I would say that um, they are significant. They play a major role. Even if, you know, what we owe them is 3% of the total external debt, we still have their interest in them. And as a result of that, if we get, you know, their involvement, it should be able to help us. But let me tell you one thing. It may not necessarily be the money involved to say that maybe we owe China a little. Oh, well, what we have on paper may be quite substantial, but when it comes to debt restructuring, it doesn't matter, you know, the quantum of debt that you owe a creditor. As far as you get involved, it sends a signal to the other creditor community that maybe there could be something good in the restaurant. And that is why, you know, they are hoping for. And as a result of that, if you join the bank who are going to have, you know, their credit, you know, restructured. So effectively, it may not necessarily be the quantum of money involved. We look at it that way. Then, probably in the domestic sense, we wouldn't have been chasing the individual bondholders. So what should Ghana do now? I mean, for the president to to mention this publicly, it tells you they've tried using diplomatic channels and it hasn't worked. Well, I can't conclude on that. But, I mean, as far as I know, when it comes to death, 
um, the external community understands, you know, the dynamics more than, you know, the local, you know, creditors. So effectively, uh, for the president to um, push the uh, the finance minister of uh, Germany to speak to um, China, obviously, um, it tells you that how desperate they may want every you know, um, credit as far as the debt is concerned, to get involved in the debt restructuring. You know, China is at the far east. And the way they have you know, their debt practice um, may be different from what I mean, the Western world will be looking at. When it comes to the negotiations and you're looking at um, the creditor in clusters, maybe China may not be part of you know, those in the West. And as a result of that, negotiating with them may be difficult because they may come with different proposals on the table altogether. And that is why possibly the president singled China out and they requested Germany to push on them to, to get involved. Thank you very much, uh, Professor Lord Mensah, uh, there. Uh, another challenge, another hurdle uh, we need to get over if we want the executive board approval, the IMF executive board approval, uh, to to pave way for us to get that very important bailout by March. So listen to News Night is on Joy 99.7 FM. We are still waiting uh, for the finance minister to begin speaking. Uh, he will be addressing the nation. Uh, we're scheduled to hear from him at 6 p.m. Uh, that hasn't started. When that gets underway, we'll bring it live to you here on Newsnight. But let's head to the Upper East region now. And uh, both Kosasi and Mampusi factions in Boko have today expressed the anger and frustrations at the Upper East Regional Security Council for the manner in which the security of Boko is being handled. Well, both factions believe that the security agencies and political leaders, including the MPs, are scratching around, scratching just the surface of the issue and not dealing with the real threats to the peace and security of Boko. Well, today, the minister, who's also the chairman of the Regional Security Council, led a team uh, to meet both the Kusasis and the Mamprusi separately at their various areas. Well, listen to Majid Bukhari, one of those who spoke for the Mamprusi side. You, you, the security, they are here. They will tell you they know where the problems are coming from. But why is it that they cannot map our strategy to ensure that this bandit will not continue to disturb the peace that we are enjoying in Boku. It's because of politics. And we always blame you, regional minister, as head of Rexec. Every day I blame you. Even on television, I put every blame on you. Because I cannot understand why as Rexec and your case men are misbehaving and you cannot call them to order. I find it very difficult. If a Mampusi man was the MC and the town was still like that, do you think we will allow him to stay occupied that place because he's a Mampusi man? No. We will write several petitions and ask government to relieve that person from his post because he's incompetent. I'm talking with people's lives. The salmon paid over 300 and something police were deployed in Boku for the celebration of salmon paid festival. Despite our assurances to, 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 to regional police commander that we will ensure that none, no Mampusi person will go out and fire a gun. And, and they will celebrate the salmon paid in peace. We actually did that. Didn't we do that, Minister Commander? Didn't we do that? We ensure that nothing like that happened. 
Well, so that's uh, the meeting with the Mampresi side, and that's uh, Majid Bukhari um, who spoke for the Mampresi side when the minister met them. Earlier, the Kusasi people were angry at RechSec. They believe that these frequent gunfires in the air were the real issues RechSec should be tackling another talk shop. This country or this part of the transpired at uh, that meeting between the Kusasis and the RechSec. Well, my colleague Albert Sorry uh, was part of um, today's meetings, uh, joins us live from the area. First, Albert, give us a sense of um, what actually transpired at the various stops because at some point we are told that the discussion was held up because of the sounds of gunfires during the meeting. Yes, so what the regional minister did at every point was to tell them why he there. He was there basically because he wanted to broker peace to tell them to lay down to lay down their tools um, and then to embrace peace. So he would do this and then he would give the opportunity for the people to tell him uh, the things that they wanted to be done. Now, there were also uh, directors of Ghana Health Service and the Ghana Education Service who were with the team. So they were given the opportunity to tell the people how the conflict was affecting education and health. It was at this uh, time, during the meeting with the Boko Naba, when the uh, Ghana Education Service representative was speaking to us that we started hearing some gunfire from a distant place. Initially, it was very mild, so uh, they continued telling him to go ahead with the speech. But as he continued, the gunfire became louder and more rapid. So one of the people started asking, is this not what they should be trying to stop rather than coming to tell them about figures of how many teachers are no longer at post and etc." So when he started speaking, other people agreed with him and they started adding their voice to what he was saying and that brought the meeting to a stop for a while. Well, but we, we could hear that uh, when it was the Mampusi side, at least clearly, they were able to make the point. But at the Kusasi meeting, uh, we had one person starting to talk and then all of a sudden, it turned chaotic. Everybody was talking at the same time. What actually happened? Yeah, so when the minister, uh, I mean, when, when the Ghana Education Service rep continued to talk and then... Um, the, the one person intervened and said that, look, we are, we are, you are the regional security council, you are here talking to us, and you are, we are hearing gunfire from uh, a distant place. It clearly means that the people who are perpetrating these acts of violence are not even afraid of the regional security council. Now, it appeared that the others who were quiet at the time agreed with this person and so everybody started voicing out their frustration and that is why uh, the pandemonium uh, occurred even the okunaba had to be escorted back to his palace because 
uh, it wasn't a sign of respect for him to be sitting there while all of this was going on. So basically, this was what happened. And when the minister was leaving, uh, you know, the youth of the area continued to gather around his car, and they were all talking. Some were even almost uh, booing him because they felt that enough was not being done as far as uh, trying to control the security situation in Boko was concerned. So, so what was the minister's response to all this? Evans, what, what was the minister's response to all this? Yes, so when we got to the Mamprosi side, similar frustrations were expressed, as you heard Majid Bagura uh, explained there. And the minister basically said that all their concerns have been taken on board and uh, the Rexec would do everything possible to bring uh, the concerns they raised as they try to bring peace back to Boko. The reason why Rexec and Musek are here, so that they can hear you, listen to you, and then when we go, we sit down. In the whole of the 16 regions, it is only Upper East Resec that meets almost every week. Almost every week. Because of Boko. It was Boko, Kandega, and Doba. But now mainly it's Boko. And all the things that you have brought up, we have been dealing with it. They are right here. And we are working behind the scenes. We do a lot behind the scenes. What I want all of you to know is that as a person also, definitely, it's not everybody that probably likes me. So even if we are doing good things, people will say we are not. And that information will get you quicker. In this conflict, we have done things that has never been done. We called MPP and NDC political parties to Bulga, if you remember. We called the youth to Bulga. We met several. We met the radio stations. We did a lot of work. The military, the police, NIB, they are always on top of the matter. But for us, we will see all what you have told us. We're expecting to be angry. We're expecting you to be telling us this. Yes, because you, 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 you believe in us. And you believe that we should be able to bring peace to Boko. But we can tell you that we are not sleeping. We are doing all what we can to bring peace to Boko. So give us the trust. Trust in us. Inshallah, one day all of us will sit down and eat together as before. I will come here and do my campaign as before. I always come here and do my campaign. <laughs> from here you all know that so but we are not in good times and that is why i also thought that i will come and talk to you you know it, it i i left there they were hooting at me when i was leaving the place i'm sure you have the information already because you see the two of you are fighting but you are friends there they also are friends here so whatever happens here they know whatever happens there they know is that not it so as for us we are the back. This one will punch here. This one will punch here. But what I can assure you is that we are very fair. We are straight. 
So that's the Upper East Regional Minister, Stephen Yakubu, when he met both sides. Actually, uh, we put both together when he addressed the Kusasi side and the Mamprisi side. Well, but we're welcoming an investigation into the allegations that Deputy Defence Minister Kofi Amankwamenu cautioned about the possible threat of involvement of terrorists in the protracted conflict if the people of Boko do not make a conscious effort to stop the conflict. And I appreciate the fact that, I mean, just as every litigation has an end, what is going on on Boko must also have an end. Mm. Definitely, we need to bring this, this to an end. And we can only do that if we talk to ourselves and then also try to push this uh, issue of mistrust behind us. I mean, for one thing, for me, it's scary. And I think that the earlier the people of Boko really appreciate this, the better it will be for the entire country. We live in this country where the activities of, of, of terrorists are staring us in the faces. Mm. And they are looking for the weakest point, you know, along our borders to really enter. Boko obviously is a border town. And then when we have all these disturbances going on, it becomes a fertile ground for, for these activities of the terrorists to really, really thrive. And then when it happens, trust me, the whole country will be up in flames. Mm -hmm. If for nothing at all, the people of Boko must know that this country is dependent on them to bring this, this, this problem to finality, to at least protect the rest of this, this country. Mm. I, I believe that it is doable. The security agencies are only aimed to help bring calm. They are not aimed to target anybody at all. You see, when, when issues of this nature will introduce politics, then we muddy the waters the more. You are the politicians. You are the ones to blame for this situation, at least from what he's saying, both sides. You're all there fueling I, I, I it. Agree. I agree. But you see, I growing up and then understanding politics, I think that we are where we are as politicians to serve the people. But if we as politicians think that the best way we can serve the people is to create mistrust so that, you know, we, we can really gain you know, out of all the disturbances going on. Mm. And trust me, we are not doing what is supposed of us. And that, by the way, is the Deputy Defense Minister there in, uh, interacting with you, Abifar Pau, uh, in, in that uh, conversation on the probe yesterday. Still listening to Newsnight here on Joy 99.7 FM. Still ahead. The National Road Safety Authority declares the Accra Tema Motorway or the Tema Highway no longer befitting of the motorway status. Because of the road. It's a, it's a death trap. Because look at the, you, you can't call this, you can't call this part also. The road is very, very bad. We are suffering in this road. Meanwhile, GPRTU to mount pressure on government to begin reconstruction of the Akratema motorway, or is it rather highway, um, as it deteriorates further with more potholes that endanger motorists. We have details of that after business with George. We are here. Hello, George. Hi. We are still waiting for that briefing mm -hmm. from the Minister of Finance on the state on six. the economy. Six. Uh, in 10 minutes time. One critical thing is going to talk about is the domestic debt exchange program and what that will mean for 
our <laughs> IMF uh, board approval and those preconditions that we are supposed to meet before we go to the IMF board. And we'll be interested before that, that briefing by the Minister of Finance, that is Ken Oforiata, as he briefs us on the update and how things are going. Have they secured that 80% approval? Uh, coming uh, from the subscribers or the bondholders with respect to signing up to the deal. Well, even there's something from IMF and is projecting that Ghana's economy will pick up strongly from next year, driven by the extractive boom and also the National Petroleum Authority justifies its intervention with respect to prices of petroleum products sold under the Gold for Oil program. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business, Alliance Live and Ghana Pay. I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secrets, mm, he said, it's MTN Business Broadband. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all-inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. I signed on immediately. <laughs> to enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 7642097642209 or 7627792 visit our website www.kingdomgh.com Life's battle during retirement are not won by the strongest. Sooner or later, those who win are those who prepare for it. Ensuring your future is your responsibility to your family and loved ones. Progress Trustees, a company that guarantees a cheerful life of retirement for both formal and informal sector workers. The Progress Occupational Pension Scheme, the Progress Provident Fund Scheme, and the Progress Personal Pension Scheme helps you achieve peace of mind during retirement. We also provide administration services for employer-sponsored schemes, including staff welfare schemes seeking to outsource their day-to-day administration of their second tier occupational pension and third tier provident fund scheme. Start your journey to your envisaged quality life during retirement by contacting us on 0504-368-048 on our website www.progresstrusteesgh.com Progress Trustees, a joyous retirement begins here. 
You welcome back to Business on Newsnight. Now, the IMF is projecting that the economy is expected to pick up strongly from next year. Now, this was after a revised Ghana's economic growth to 2.8% and its revised economic outlook for this year. The IMF growth for 2023 it is similar to what government had projected in the 2023 budget. Division Chief at the Research Department at the IMF, Daniel Lentzen, the extractive sector will be the main driver of Ghana's growth from next year. This is the, the cooling in 2023. But in 2024, we see a rebound, in particular in the extractive activities, and that is going to support Ghana in, in 2024. I would add that right now, so just very recently, the IMF team went to Ghana, reached agreement uh, with the Ghanaian authorities on an economic reform program that will be supported under a three billion US dollar um, extended credit facility. And the goal of that program is to re-establish macroeconomic stability, debt sustainability, and create the foundations for higher and, and inclusive growth over the medium term. And that is Daniel Len. He is division chief at the research department at the IMF. They're telling or doing some projections with respect to Ghana's economic growth from next year, picking up strongly. Now, banks, insurers, and institutional investors are going to get what government is describing as an enhanced deal under the revised domestic debt exchange program. Now, this was after government agreed on a new coupon rate to these banks, insurers, and institutional investors that will sign up to the program. There is more in this report. This is one of the reasons why government is optimistic that, with the amendments made to the offer, all these bondholders will participate in the domestic debt exchange program when the offer expires tomorrow. The finance ministry has reviewed the coupon payment that it is offering to the banks, insurers, and the institutional investors. It is now looking at paying 5% cash as coupon payments to these stakeholders, and the remaining four payments is converted into fresh new bonds that will be issued to all these players. Sources say... It's part of plans to manage government's liquidity going forward, citing the current pressure on its finances. Sources also say, based on how the necessary stakeholder input was carried out for this revised domestic debt exchange program memorandum, the finance ministry before all these stakeholders will come on board by the close of tomorrow. One of the main reasons why the domestic debt exchange program was expanded the other time was due to the concerns expressed by these banks. So if the concerns are duly addressed then, getting the required 80% subscription will not be challenged going forward. According to the finance ministry, it remains committed to sticking by the proposed terms captured in the revised memorandum. And that is the business tax report. Now, the National Petroleum Authority says it stands by a decision to regulate the pricing of petroleum products sold under its gold for oil program. The authority in a statement today announced that it will play an active role in the pricing of products sold for, to these oil marketing companies through the Gold for Oil initiative. The National Petroleum Authority argues that it is fair that these products sold at competitive prices under this program, consumers actually benefit from that. Mohamed Kudu speaks for the National Petroleum Authority. Marketers are picking now the product from two two different sources, one at a higher price, that is the prevailing market, and one relatively at a cheaper price under the G4O program. 
So there is the need for a certain understanding and coming up with a framework that allow a fair pricing, the marketers would get what they are expected and the consumers would equally get what they are expected. So we play that role again in determining the ex-refinery price that the uh, BDCs, after buying from post, would then have to be selling to the OMC. So that is going to be the role that we play in. It is not different from what we've actually been doing all this while, but because of a certain peculiarity in this particular program, that is why probably it is raising a certain eyebrow. But it is a normal role that we'll be playing all this while in determining XRF at the BDC level and then the XCOM at the OMC level. Mohamed Kudus is the communications manager at the National Petroleum Authority. Telecom's giant MTN has justified the increase in the mobile data prices and system it needed to help deal with the current operational cost. MTN in a statement maintained that it needed to stay in business and deal with the current economic challenges facing the economy whilst they have to ensure that concerns of the business and subscribers are addressed in providing the required services to them. To the stock market, it appears uh, MTN's deal arranged with government for the Ghana Revenue Authority to scrapped a tax that was placed on them as impacting on its share price. Today, it actually went up by 6 pesos to close at 88 pesos. If you look at the shares of Société General, it lost 10 pesos to close at 90 pesos. And that of Unilever Ghana also lost 19 pesos to close at 2 Ghana cities, 6 pesos. And that's all for business on Newsnight. And still waiting for the briefing that is supposed to come in from the Minister of uh, Finance. Even we haven't had the one to start now. Uh, the understand time that was 6 p.m. Yeah, there were some technical issues, and it'll be starting very soon. Okay, uh, thank you, George. Uh, we'll wait. Um, what we can guarantee you is uh, once it starts, we'll bring it live to you here on Joy 99.7 FM, and also on my on our um, Joy News channel on the Multi TV. Well, let's um, talk about uh, the Accra Tema motorway or not, because uh, we are told that the National Road Safety Authority has declared that that road no longer meets the true definition of a motorway. Senior Manager of Planning and Program Directorate at the Authority, Henry Asumini, explained that the motorway, by definition, must be a controlled access highway designed for high-speed traffic and without access for pedestrians, bicycles, or other non-motorized forms of transportation. The Kratama motorway, however, allows for other forms of transportation and does not have proper safety measures in place, therefore failing to meet the definition of a motorway. His comment was in response to the recent journey series, The Deadly Highway, which highlights the dangerous conditions and high number of road accidents on that particular stretch. We will hear from him shortly. First, here is a report from my colleague, Michael Ashali, after traveling up and down that road. The highway was opened to traffic in November 1965, a concrete highway which was built to speed traffic between Accra and the nearby port, an industrial town of Tema. The express highway is not riddled with gaping potholes and drivers are fed up. Because of the road. It's a, it's a death trap. Because look at the, you, you can't call this, you can't call this portal so. The motorway is notoriously known for some of the heart-wrenching accidents in the country and the road is getting more dangerous by the day. My name is Noah Tepe. The road is very, very bad. We are suffering in this road because they, not do, they, 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 they are not doing their maintenance. The speed limit on the motorway is 100 kilometers per hour. With the portals, 
drivers are forced to slow down to avoid destroying their vehicles. In the process, they create congestion on the road. Charlie, the traffic is too much on the motorway. No, there's a lot of photos on the way. These photos are not only an inconvenience for drivers, but for passengers as well. Nearly everyone uses the road, including those going to health facilities, pregnant women and workers. At night, the motorway is plunged into total darkness. We observe that more than half of all the streetlights are not functional. Some are without their cables, whereas others are without bulbs. Drivers will not see the danger lurking in the corner until it's too late. Since 2009, there have been more than 10 promises to rehabilitate or expand the motorway. Kwesi Amwakwata said the reconstruction was going to start in November 2021. Any moment from now, and we are going to turn the motorway into six lanes. It didn't. He promised the reconstruction will commence August 2022. Those who do not know what is happening here should keep quiet. Okay, and we are starting, you know, uh, this year. Again, they missed that. Although the motorway was made with concrete slabs, bitumen was used to patch some of the portals. And the fixing should be should be permanent fixing, not something temporary. Sadly, these temporary fixes have only worsened the problem. The bitumen patches are now looking like corrugated sheets because of pressure from the vehicles and the heat from the blazing sun. And vehicles can help but wiggle. The once pride and joy of the country has now become a road of shame. For Joy News, Michael Ashali. Now we can hear from the Senior Manager of Planning and Programs Directorate at the Authority, that's the National Road Safety Authority, Henry Asumeni. We all know the state of the Tema Accra uh, motorway, if we can still call it a motorway, because we, uh, we all know when it comes to road classification, we know what a motorway is. This has, uh, is no more a motorway, it is just a road linking two uh, cities. And the road in, its, in the state in which it is, it is um, not safe. Yes, a safety assessment has been done over the years on the motorway, and we see that the motorway keeps on deteriorating. And it is in, in line with this that the Ministry of Roads and Highways made it a priority for the rehabilitation and actually the redesigning. It's actually a redesigning of the Accra Tema motorway. If you look at the state in which the road is now, it's not something that by definition it should be called a motorway. We know the bad state in which the road is, and we know that this is a road that we have a lot of commuters from two major cities, Accra and Tema. And as I said, it's one of the priority areas of the Ministry of Roads and Highways. I would urge commuters to uh, be safe on the roads. Please, as we use the road, let us not speed above uh, one, the handling. When you look at the road, you shouldn't be speeding up to about uh, 70 kilometers per hour. So I would urge commuters to be extra careful when they are using the road. Well, the Ghana Private Road Transport Union say they will use all available means to pile pressure on government to either reconstruct that stretch or put it back in shape. Yes, member of the communications team of the GPRTU, Samuel Lamoa. Sometimes you may not know, you, you, you run into 
uh, a, a, a pothole, and sometimes it can cause a tight burst and, mm. and a whole lot. Mm. So, um, looking at the situation at the motorway now, we have been complaining. Every single driver, both and private car drivers and commercial vehicles, everybody is complaining about the situation of the motorway. We hear that there's going to be an extension and whatever. When are they going to do it? Are they going to step down for this situation to cause accidents and to take lives before they, 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 they try to fix it? And so they should try and do something about it. It's not like we are just making a noise or we are just saying whatever we want to say. But the thing is real. The thing is real. I wonder if they also use that. And I know they also use the road. We are not happy about that. So they should try as hard as, I, as, as they can. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes they try to, to, to do something, but, but they are not living up to expectation. This is, not we are expect, this is not what we are expecting them to do. So we are pleading. We are pleading. That's the a communications team member of the GPRTU. Let's do sports. And I know all of you, we are all praying that he'll be found. I'm talking about Christian Achumuspao. Give us the latest. Well, yes, even uh, MFIS. Well, search and rescue efforts continue for Black Stars winger Christian Achu after Turkey's deadly earthquake. Uh, Istanbul-based journalist Kadir Ono has been speaking to us about uh, the latest on that. Last night, you know, uh, there was a match between Hatay Spor and Kasim Pasha. Yes. Uh, the match ended uh, one nil, and only goal uh, by scored scored by uh, Christian Atsu. Uh, he scored the winning goal of the match, and uh, after that, uh, the earthquake has uh, happened uh, till the morning, and uh, we cannot hear anything uh, about him, and we cannot know uh, where he is. But rescue teams. Uh, probably uh, we'll find it uh, very soon. Uh, we hope that uh, he will be uh, found uh, when he found uh, under wreckage. So that's uh, uh, Kadir Onur there, an Istanbul-based journalist, speaking to my colleague Muftar Nabile Elion Sports today. Well, we also have an update from the vice president of the club, the Christian that you plays for, uh, Mustafa Uzat. And uh, the update is as at 5.30 p.m. Ghana time. And he's quoted as saying, all members of the playing body and staff are accounted for, except Christian Achu and sporting director Tana Savut, who are still under the rubble. Uh, we are still trying to reach them. That uh, the updates as far as that is concerned. And we also have update from some Ghanaian female players in Turkey. And um, so that's uh, Faustina Trema, Suzy Dedetay, and Priscilla Autry, whose city was also affected. They've confirmed that they are safe. And we've also received update from the Ghana national amputee team who have some of their players playing in Turkey, confirming that uh, their members are also safe. President Kufado and former President Joe Mahama have also been pouring some well wishes for Christian Achu and we're all praying that he is found safe. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Carl. Well, and the rescue operation is still underway um, across much of southern Turkey and northern Syria uh, following that huge earthquake. We are told that it's killed more than 2,600 people. So in Turkey alone, it's 1,500. In Syria, 810 dead. And we are told that more than 9,700 have been wounded. And the president of the country, Erdogan, has been describing it as the worst um, situation to have hit that country in more than how many? 84 years. So uh, that's the situation in Turkey Ooh. as uh, we speak and we pray that definitely Christian Nachu will be found. 
and National Director Arocha Ghana, Deta Setem, Apiakubi says allowing any form of mining in the Etiwa forest will have dire consequences for water supply in the country. While touching on similar form of mining at Awasu in the Western North region, Dr. Apiakubi uh, said the Etiwa River has been rendered useless as residents are no longer able to drink from it. Well, this was his testimony at an Akrai High Court in a case filed by the environmental non-governmental organization and 10 others seeking to stop government from undertaking bauxite mining in the Etiwa forest. Coast correspondent Joseph Akable reports. The battle is not won yet, but the campaign is going very fine. So we still will count on your support, on your prayer. It's, it's so nice to know that you are praying for us and you are with us. And that's all we need from you. The community, community members who we have always hoped for that they would take ownership of the campaign and tell government, you know, not to mine bauxite in Atiwa so that their water uh, will remain. Dr. Piakubi told the court parts of the Atiwa forest had already been destroyed as a result of exploratory mining undertaken by the Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation. This mining he insisted was unlawful as the necessary permits had not been obtained. State attorney Leona Abasa Johnson questioned the basis for this unlawful mining claim. Dr. Piakubi said a search conducted at the Office of Relevant State Agencies revealed no environmental impact assessment report had been compiled. He assured the court he could provide the said documents if allowed to do so. This request was granted despite the opposition from the state attorney. It was then suggested to Dr. Piakubi that mining of bauxite was already taking place in similar forests in a sustainable manner. Reference was made to the Awasu bauxite in the Western North region as well as other parts of the world. The witness told the court this was untrue. Dr. Piakube is back in the witness box on Tuesday. It's yes, live on News Night is on Joy 99.7 FM. Tonight, after weeks of bitter arguments and rancor uh, within the opposition and DC's caucus in parliament, the MPs have resolved to back the new leadership announced by the party two weeks ago. The removal of Harun Edrisu as minority leader brought significant strife and cracks within the party, with some 72 MPs signing a petition asking for the decision to be reversed. Today, after a meeting, with the party's national executives and council of elders, the caucus has resolved a fully, uh, to fully back Dr. Keselato Falsing and his team uh, in the new minority leadership. Now, listen to chairman of the party, uh, Johnson Sidon Kitia, telling journalists what ha- happened in this meeting. The challenges that uh, arose out of the announcement of the new leadership of our caucus in parliament have all been resolved. All concerns have been addressed, so we're just looking forward. We in NDC believe that sparks of truth emanate from clashes of opinion, and that was what has just happened. The um, challenges that we've gone through in the past few days have produced very beneficial results. And that is that it has led to put on the front banner some problems that we have slept over. And that has to do with the framework for organizing and leading our caucus in parliament. It was work in progress, but it has not been completed. I think that these current challenges 
have brought the issue back on the front burner. So one of the takeaways from this meeting is for us to go quickly and expedite action on establishment of the framework for the running of our caucus in parliament in future. We can quickly now hear from, um, you know, what uh, Harold Edrixu, who now is a former minority leader, has been saying. Has he accepted now that um, he has been removed? And will he back the new leadership? Uh, Elton Brobe has been working at that angle of the story for us. Elton, what do we know? Well, I've been trying to get him to respond to this matter. He says that he's maintaining a golden silence on the matter. Those were the words he used. But people who are very close to him say that his main preoccupation now is to work towards an NDC victory in the 2024 election, both in the presidential and the parliamentary. And tomorrow, he will go to parliament as a member of parliament for Tamil Styles and then hope to take his seat and contribute to advancement of the NDC agenda on the floor of parliament. So for now, he remains committed to the cause. So he's now accepted uh, that uh, he'll be backing the new leadership. Basically, I mean, judging from what I was told by this person very close to him, there is no doubt that he accepts his new role as member of parliament for Tamil South, awaiting further direction from the leadership as to which committee he may serve on or, 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 or act as ranking member. But as far as the matter in question is concerned, he wants to remain silent on it for now. Basically, working towards an NBC between 2024. Elton, thank you very much. And that's it for Newsnight tonight. My name is Evans Mensah. I am MFR Paul. We're still waiting for that uh, briefing uh, by the finance minister. Uh, when that starts, we'll bring that to you. Yeah. 
Hello, this is Morris, and I say keep on listening to Joy 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 Take you live to the finance ministry where the finance minister is addressing uh, the nation. GDP of 55%. It was important to review the interest rates and maturities of the existing bonds. Having listened to and acknowledged emerging concerns, we have recalibrated the framework of the DDEP with the following constituting the terms of the improved and enhanced offer. One. All individual bondholders who are below the age of 59 years, category A, are being offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 10% coupon rate. Two, all retirees, including those retiring in 2023, category A, are being offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate. All retirees, including those retiring in 2023, category B, are being offered instruments with a maximum maturity of five years instead of 15 years and a 15% coupon rate. The objective of this is to ensure that individuals, especially retirees who put their hard-earned earnings in our domestic market, are not left in hardship as a result of the DDEP and yet contribute to the resolution of our current crisis. We have been intentional in pushing the threshold of what is possible in order to safeguard the well-being of our pensioners, preserve the savings of individuals, protect the working capital of businesses, and ensure the health and stability of our financial sector whilst restoring macroeconomic stability. Indeed, since the first announcement of the DDEP, the government has engaged in good faith discussions and extensive stakeholder engagements of all groups in order to reach a resolution that ensures an orderly path out of our economic challenges anchored by a sense of community and empathy. Ladies and gentlemen, these significant amendments have enabled government to reach an agreement with key major domestic creditor categories, including banks, insurance companies, capital market players, and foreign holders of domestic debt in relation to their participation in the DDEP. Undoubtedly, 
the participation of the banks, insurance companies, and the securities industry under the enhanced DDEP is a significant milestone which represents a response to a call to national duty. It is a critical step to restore macroeconomic stability, accelerate Ghana's economic growth under an IMF program, and leverage other international financial support. On the back of these recent developments, the comprehensive agreement of the key stakeholders and the enhancement of the DDEP government one expects the full participation of institutional stakeholders and mobilization of all qualified investors to ensure the success of the debt exchange operation. And two, encourages eligible individual holders to voluntarily tender their holdings. Frankly, fellow citizens, non-participation or a lower than expected turnout for the DDEP will prolong efforts to resolve the current economic crisis. In addition, the prospects of international financial support and other financial assurances will be jeopardized. The development could further put strain and stress on government's capacity to honor key commitments. This is not what we want for our economy. What we want is an economy that is back on track, stable, vibrant, productive, dynamic, meeting the needs of individuals, households, and enterprises, delivering shared and inclusive growth, and improving incomes and livelihoods. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow